Here the Turtle is presented by Toyota. Toyota helps you get the most out of your drive. Just ask a friend who drives one. Shop buyatoyota.com, Toyota's official website for deals, to find the Toyota that's right for you. Toyota, let's go places. Monday, February 6th, 2023. It's here, the turtle presented by Toyota and Ben. A big show coming up today. We, you know, people know a lot of things about you now that you've been on here, the turtle. They've heard about yep. your, your, your softball exploits. They've heard about your, your lack of love for Big Ten officiating. They've heard many different right. things, but what they don't yep. know is about your love of college softball. You are a former yes. Maryland softball manager. Um, you know, I would say beyond some of these coaches, one of the great minds of the sport is where I, is, is where I put you. Um, and I would agree with this that. week. We have another one of the great minds of the sport, Mark Montgomery, mm-hmm. the head coach of Maryland softball on the show. And um, he chatted about the progress of that program and a variety of different things. But before we got to that, I just wanted to, you know, really show your expert, you know, you, the fact that you're an expert, you know, you are a guy that. If ESPN, you know, had an opening, they'd bring you on to, to be on their yeah. softball coverage. So just wanted to start the show off with that before we get to Coach Montgomery. Yeah, once once Michelle Smith calls it quits in the booth of the Women's College World Series, I think I'm their next call. So they've they've told me that. Um, so I'm just waiting for the call whenever it comes. But I think she's got some years some years left. But you're right. Um, this. Maryland softball has meant a lot to me for a long time. I was a manager for the first three years I was in college, freshman, sophomore, and junior year, and um, spent a lot of time with that program. I was at every game for three years, three different coaches, um, every practice, catching bullpens, doing the social media, ordering the food, doing a a very wide array of things. Um, So it was was, uh, good good to talk to Coach Montgomery, a guy that, um, you know, when he took over the program in 20, 2018, 2019, I don't think a lot of people realize how, how bad, bad shape it was in. Um, there was, you know, there were culture issues. They were losing a lot of games. The talent just wasn't there. And it was a real, um, real rebuild for him. And I think he's on year four now and you could see the progress he's making, um, just from a talent perspective, um, you know, that, that wasn't there under the last coach and from a culture perspective too. Um, so I think, you know, this is the year he's very confident about his group to be in tournament contention. Um, something which Maryland softball hasn't made the tournament since 2012 when they made it three straight years. Um, so it's been 11 years and, and I think the goal for them this year is to be right in that NCAA tournament contention, um, which in my opinion, other than, 
uh, March Madness is the best college postseason, the college softball postseason. You know me. I on Memorial Day uh, weekend, the weekend after that, I'm stuck by my TV watching softball and texting you about how good the ratings are. So uh, that's a yes, tradition yes. unlike any other that we've done for like eight years now. So. It really, really is. Um, I don't know if people are going to think that's interesting or think that's weird, but that is that. Yeah, that you takes me about <laughs> softball ratings all through the thing. But as you said, I I didn't know I didn't know um, before. You know, you work in college athletics and you know about certain sports. You don't know about some. I didn't know anything about softball um, from a college person. I mean, it was on TV. You watch it because like, it's on ESPN. Even you know back you know in the back early part then. Of now it's on. on now it's on more than it's on all the time. College the College yeah. World Series was on, so you could watch it. So I, I've watched before. But in terms of knowing that much about the sport, did not know. Um, and it has become, you know, when we were at like baseball, um, the Big Ten tournament is over Memorial Day weekend. And that's and then the next weekend, I, I just, you know, tells you just end up watching a lot of softball or their conference tournament weekend just ends up being on. It is just a very good sport. Yeah. And Coach Montgomery goes into it a little bit in terms of the speed of it. It's like fits in a perfect time window. It's like soccer where it fits in that like two hour time window. Um, that's like very easy to put on TV. Yeah. And it's fast, but unlike it's unlike soccer, it's actually exciting. decently paced. So no, see that's terrible. See, now nah, we're gonna have to bring on Sasha, and he's gonna have to put <laughs> anyway, him in place. And I couldn't let you place. fly with that one, but well, that's that's the that's the issue is you can't hide your just sheer hate for soccer, which is sad. One, the great the world's great game and, and the beautiful game, but that's neither here nor there. That's for a, a summer. We'll talk about that in the roast, fall, <laughs> where I roast you, and then we'll bring on Sasha to roast you again. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a very well-paced sport. And as you said, Maryland really hadn't been competitive. And the Big Ten is a solid softball league. Um, it's not one of the best leagues in the country, but it has some really good programs. The top Northwestern's been good lately. Minnesota's been good lately. Michigan is kind yep. of in the class of the league. And then you have some teams that go in and out. And Maryland finished in the top half of the league last year um, and won a Big Ten tournament game. And for them to do that, and as you said, Coach Montgomery had to kind of pick up the pieces when he took the job. He also got hired super late. So his uh-huh. first year, he didn't really get to like, recruit at all for that first team, bring in Trent, like really do anything. And he has kind of flipped the script on its head. Um, and I kind of compared it like our two bat and ball sports are kind of just rising together. Baseball a little bit farther ahead than softball or farther, farther ahead than yeah. softball and was further ahead anyway. So they, you know, mm-hmm. but they're both in the making the spring. And I said this to coach Montgomery in the interview, like the two lacrosse teams kind of run the spring, right? That they're the two national title contenders every year. But when you have baseball and softball in two national sports, like two sports that, you know, are are on TV constantly all throughout May and June, um, it's very fun to kind of be a part of that mix. And hopefully Mark Montgomery can take some of the steps that Rob, Rob Vaughn has made, um, who we're going to have on the show next week. Um, but let's get to our interview with Mark Montgomery. We're going to talk Maryland basketball on the backside of the interview, um, but wanted to get quickly uh, to the head coach of Maryland softball, Mark Montgomery. Uh, so here he is. We're back here on Hear the Turtle with the head coach of Maryland softball, Mark Montgomery. And coach, first of all, great to have you back on the show. Second of all, uh, we just talked about this a couple days at Spring Sports Media Day. You feel very excited about your group right now and just the overall direction of your program. Is this just a day where you're coming? I know there's there's you know tough days of practice or whatever, but is this like one of the best times of the year for you where you you know you've rolled the ball out for practice for a couple of weeks? You're headed to Mexico next week, get down to some warm weather. How exciting are you? For, how excited are you for this season? Oh, extremely. You know, the truth is though, everybody is right now, right? I mean, this is when hope springs eternal for all of us, and uh, we, we're all expecting to go undefeated, kind of. So, you know, but but uh, tempering realistic expectations and kind of going into the season, I feel like we're a good team. 
Um, we've, uh, we've gotten better every year. We brought in a couple new classes that have definitely added some depth and some talent. Uh, the uh, returning players have gotten better and smarter and, and, and know what they're doing at a, a much higher level. And, and, um, and what you're starting to see is the older players, the upperclassmen are teaching the newer players kind of some of the nuances. So the learning curve is quicker. Uh, we're getting things down faster and, and uh, we're, we're ready to get going. Right. And there's nothing like getting it out and getting to go against another team. We, most of the fall, as well as all of the beginning of the spring, you're practicing against yourselves and, and now we get a chance to go play somebody else. Coach, you return your two main pitchers from last year, Trinity Schlauterbeck and Courtney Weich. Obviously, pitching is crucial in softball. How comforting is it for you to to have all those innings back this year? Oh, I, amazing, right? I mean, and it gives you a foundation. Again, we brought in a couple of new younger girls, but now they don't have to be the kids. Uh, when Trinity and Courtney were here their freshman year, I threw them to the wolves because we had to. Um, so they had to learn. So it was like, all right, here you go, Trent, first game of the year, go get Texas. I mean, that's a tough ask of anybody. So, you know, watching them have grown, been in those situations, been in those tough spots, and now they're just much more seasoned, much more polished. And now they're helping the other girls be able to, to go into innings that allow them to grow the way they need to grow. Uh, we don't have to throw kids to the fire anymore. So it's nice. It's a wonderful uh, place to be in. And and again, they're not only remarkable pitchers, but they're remarkable young women and their growth and their development on our staff has just been just instrumental through the roof. Uh, I, I can't I can't put more accolades on them. They, they're both such great kids. Um, you, you sort of talked about it there in terms of throwing some of your younger players to the Wolves a few years ago when you were sort of trying to build this thing a little bit. And I talked to this with my fellow Taylor the other day um, at the media day about sort of gaining some belief that you can play with some of the best teams in the country. And obviously you have the success in the Big Ten last year um, among the top half uh, of the teams there. But even out of conference, you know, you've scheduled well, even when you probably didn't have the talent maybe to go out there and, and compete with the best teams in the country. Do you see that belief in your in your, in your your squad now where they're like, okay – you know, just because maybe there's no expectations in Maryland, we can go out and play with, as you said, the Texas's of the world and the Oregon's of the world who you open with um, next week. What is that sort of, have you watched that sort of attitude develop over the last few years? Well, you know, in, in the beginning, when I first got here um, at the first sign of, of problems or situations where we'd make a mistake or they get a big hit, whatever the case may be, we kind of fold. Um, and so the first thing we had to do is teach them how to fight. And, uh, and, and, and never give up. It doesn't matter what the score is. Just keep fighting. Keep giving your best. Um, don't worry about anything else. And then they learned how to do that those first couple of years. And then it was, okay, let's learn how to win. And, and so then we popped a few big teams, like you mentioned last year. Um, you know, a win over a, a number 10 Missouri and, and uh, a win over a, a top 20 Michigan team. And, and we had a couple of those big wins. Um, now it's their belief that they can do that every day when they take the field. That's what I hope translates into this year. And we won't win every game. Our, our sport's not designed to have a winner in every game unless maybe you're Oklahoma. It just it doesn't happen. Um, but but I do believe you'll see that every time these kids take the field, like they're going to go in with the expectation that they're supposed to win that game. And that's kind of been the mindset change that I think this year's team gets and understands. And it's just taken a few years to get there. You'd love to build these things overnight, but it's just not the way it works. So. 
Speaking of your non-conference, you guys open next week in Mexico. And coach, I was the I was the manager for three years when I was a student, and we never went to Mexico. <laughs> so I don't even think this tournament existed back back then. How how'd this come together? And you guys, you know, you play some really good teams there in an Oregon program that's always good. BYU is always good, and then a top five team in Oklahoma State. Yeah, this is. Um... You know, I will tell you, I, I think this tournament came around in about 2015. Um, they uh, they started out kind of small, uh, and they've grown now to become one of the premier opening tournaments the first two weekends of the year. Um, and um, there's a, a waiting list of teams that want to go. Uh, and so it's, it's kind of a combination of you wanting to go and then getting the invite to go. Um, and this was a good year for us. We felt like by year four, year five of our program, because again, I kind of came in with a five-year plan, but about year four, year five, we thought we would be able to uh, start being able to play with some of the bigger guys, um, good competitive games. Even if you win, great. If you lose, it's no big deal as long as you're playing competitive ball, you're playing close, and you're learning how to play where you don't make mistakes. And that's what we're trying to do is we, we play the game. Um, we can trade hits with them. We can trade with them, and they might win the outcome, but the process, we were right there with them. And that's what we're trying to get to. And I feel like we're close. And I feel like this was a great chance. And, and, and culturally, I think it's just a remarkable event because how many of our young ladies would never have gotten their passports in their lives? Mm-hmm. And, and here we are now making sure that, you know, we're liable to have a whole group of international travelers because of their opportunity in college to, to go somewhere out of the country, to experience something different, to experience a culture um, to get over a little bit of that fear factor of going out of the country, doing some of those type things and, and learning and growing as, as individuals as well as as a softball team. So I think it's a great combination of both uh, um, culture uh, as well as softball, and, and hopefully that helps us grow both on and off the field. Probably for the best that we weren't in this tournament when when Kess was a manager. They probably would not have let him into the country. So so yeah. good job that we, we we let him get out of school and you guys were able to get down there. You talked I've had, about I've had passport troubles, so that that's a good thing. <laughs> the, the, the State Department probably yeah. would have had some flags up, had been been going, I got you. All right. <laughs> yeah, there yeah, there would have been there would have been some issues. They would have sent him right back here. Um you, you talked about, you know, having the ability to play in a tournament like this and feeling like you could compete with those bigger teams. You know, I remember when we had you on when you initially got hired when we when we when we chatted coach, you you had a really good thing going at Louisiana Tech. You know, you could have done that for a really long time and been really successful and won a ton of games. And I remember you saying something to the effect of like there is something special that I can build here. Like people don't look at Maryland on the softball map, but like this can become a destination. Do you feel like you're getting it to that point where you, you know, you left a place that you had all the success in the world at to, you know, come to a place that, you know, to be honest, was a giant rebuild when you got here. Do you feel like that, that kind of what you were talking about is sort of starting to come to fruition here a little bit? Yeah, no, we do. Uh, You know, it's one of those kind of, it's a challenge. And, and we know that, but I, I think every coach wants a challenge. I mean, that's just part of who we are. Um, you know, at, at Louisiana Tech, we were regionally bound. We were we were going to have – we could play good teams, but they had to be within our region. Um, we could travel, but most of the time it had to be within our region. we occasionally get a nice trip to go to somewhere a little further away, but it was once a year. The thing that I knew Maryland brought to the table by being a Power 5 program is that we were going to be on a national stage. Um, and 
All we had to do was grow the program to where it could perform on that national stage. We were on it. We just weren't performing on it. And then when you look at our other programs, whether it be other spring sports like baseball or men's or women's lacrosse, I mean, my goodness, how great are they? But then go into the fall of, of, of the field hockey or, I mean, I, I, there's so many programs here that are Olympic sports that are the best of the best in the nation, men's soccer. I mean, there's just, it, it doesn't matter. You just point and then what you see is then you see other programs really growing here because the blueprint of how to be successful at Maryland is here. You just got to, all I got to do is walk down my hallway and I'm talking to somebody who's won a national championship and that, and that's exceptional. And, and so it shows you that it can be done in this environment and that this environment culturally builds that and allows that to take place. And you've got an administrative uh, administration that supports that and wants you to be successful and, you know, and whether I'm meeting with Mr. Evans or one of the other, um, you know, top administrators, they're always asking, what can we do for you? What do you need help with? How can we make your job better? And, and so you've, you felt like there was support here and you, you look at it in other sports. And I felt like, man, if, if all those other sports are getting it, if I go in and we work hard and we show them that we can become the team that I think we're capable of becoming and we take steps to that, then they're going to bend over backwards to make sure that we can continue that journey. And that's what we feel. Um, we're making some improvements to the facilities where, um, and that's going to translate into helping recruiting as well as the, the student a- athletes environment, which makes them happier. And, I, and all of that kind of goes together. Um, building a program is not just laying one brick on top of another, but it's just packing it from every different direction to where you keep growing that snowball, if you will. And it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger because you keep moving, whether it's community service, whether it's administrative help, whether it's facilities improvement, whether it's cultural experiences, whatever. And then the next thing you know, is you look at and, and all of a sudden you're a top 25 program, you're a program that's going to Oklahoma City, you're a program that's competing for a national championship. And that's what we're growing to. Do I think we're there yet? No. But compared to where we were three or four years ago, I think we've taken monumental strides to get there. And I think we'll continue to take them over the next several years. We hit on the pitching a little, but positionally, you returned two All-Big Ten outfielders, including Jada McFarlane, who's been a star through two years for you. Um, what kind of can we look at from the from the infield and filling in um, in the outfield from your team this year? Yeah, so we have, again, it's it's a, just a great mix. So you've got Mick Jones, uh, who plays third base, came in, didn't make an error her freshman year at third base. I don't know how that's even possible. Um, and then turns around and and – really improves offensively last year. I look for her to have just an amazing season at third base. We've added two freshmen to the middle infield mix, but they're so talented. They're so good. They're so, um, you know, Sammy Woods, they, they nicknamed her on the team. This isn't my nickname. They call her Sammy Smooth just because she's so smooth in what she does. She looks like Javier Baez out there moving. I, I never played like that even when I was in the prime. (laughs) So she's, she's incredible. Um, uh, Maddie Runyon, the other freshman, who's a counterpart at second base. We're we're gonna we were last in turning double plays in the Big Ten last year. We're not gonna be last anymore. We're gonna move up, and all of a sudden, double plays end innings. So all of a sudden, if you take it now, you're getting out of a few innings, a pitcher too early, or a batter or two earlier. The lineup doesn't turn over as much. I mean, it's just amazing what some of those differences start to do. Mackenzie Greco will be the mainstay at first base, um, and she's absolutely tearing up the ball hitting as well as playing great defense. 
Um, we uh, we have Kylie Goff and Amelia Luck that will run the primary catching duties, and, and Kylie is incredible. She's a catcher that's going to steal 20 bases. So we, we really have just a great mix of, of great infield play and power. Uh, again, I mentioned Amelia. She's going to be kind of the DH when she's not – catching and we have another freshman Sydney Lewis those guys are going to hit and allow just for us to have a ton of power in our lineup in that three four five hole that we've never had before um in terms of the outfield obviously we all know what Jada does all you gotta do is watch some highlight clips of Jada and you you draw jaw drops and you're like oh my god how did she do that um but Megan McCommie is the best base stealer I've ever coached in my entire career and I've always had running teams um, the kid was, I think, um, 30 for 30 or 28 for 28, whatever she was last year in stolen bases, just an incredible number to not be thrown out. Her slide is, is the best slide I've ever seen. It seems like she starts and slides, starts about halfway to second base and she's on the ground and she slides forever. It almost looks like an animation video, uh, of Bugs Bunny sliding in at second, but she, uh, she's incredible and gets that hand in and, and it's so hard to tag her out. Plus she's so fast. Um, and, the, and then they do a great job of hawking everything in the outfield. They do a tremendous job. I, I think the thing you'll see us this year um, in right field is we'll probably platoon it a little bit. We've got some great defenders out there. But man, Trinity Schlotterbeck is just hitting the ball like a beast. So she's going to have to go out in right field when she's not pitching and at least give us a couple of at-bats in the lineup, and then we'll probably turn it over later in the game to a couple more seasoned outfielders like Cam Davis or Campbell Klein. But at the end of the day, Trent's hitting is just is separating her. And she's uh, she's a consistent threat to go yard as well as big hits. And and so she'll probably start every game in the outfield. And so, you know, we just feel like now we've got the speed at the top and the bottom of the order. We've got great defense in play. And for the first time, we've kind of got power in a four, three, four, five, six hole spot that we just didn't have before. And again, if you're hitting a few more doubles or hitting a few more home runs, Makes the game easier. So now where we could manufacture runs with the best of them, now I'm hoping to occasionally hit the three-run homer. It gives us a chance to uh, to kind of put teams away a little earlier. I feel like a lot of coaches would be nervous about having a freshman late in middle infield, and you seem like that's one of your most, you, you know, you're most confident about those two. When you identified them in the recruiting process, did you think they could come in and start right away and, and be that, you know, central figures in, in the middle of the field there? Well, we certainly hope so because we were graduating two seniors. <laughs> you know, so I, I think they got they got pressed to duty. But but you know the key thing is we put them out there immediately, and in the beginning we were kind of flip flopping them back and forth, uh, and we knew Mick Jones could hold it down. So if we had to take Mick Jones and slide her to to, to shortstop, then then Taylor Lagoria, who is the consummate middle infield, like she can play second, she can play short, she can play third. She's got just a great glove. But we loved her utility nature that we can kind of plug and play her wherever a hole may be or where if somebody's struggling, she can step in. And and then we were just amazingly surprised that once we settled on Sammy at short and, and Maddie at second, that they just, man, they just started to feed off of each other. And we're doing, we're doing some plays that are advanced cuts, like, you know, where the um, balls hit to right center field, and you can't tell whether it's going to get by the right fielder or not, whether she's going to cut it off. Who are they throwing it to? Are they throwing it to the second baseman on a cut? Are they throwing it to shortstop who's cutting if a ball has to go to third? And they're starting to run those cut plays that I see juniors and senior middle infielders struggle with, and they're running them like they are they already have them down. 
so it's it's really exciting seeing the kids that they've just their knowledge base has grown so much. We knew their skill sets were there. We knew it. It was just could you come in and play at this level with the speed of the game and handle it? And both of them are. So when we felt like, oh great, we've landed where we needed to do defensively, they'll bat in the eight and nine hole. And that probably won't change, by the way. They'll probably stay in the eight and nine hole. But now what we're seeing is they're getting on base. In our inner squad scrimmages, they're dropping a bunt for a hit or they're hitting a single or they're hitting a double to the gap. They're starting to do all the little things to get on base. And so now it's just you're just really watching them kind of grow. So yeah, I, I get excited about those two. I was a middle infielder, so I love the position and it's one of those to where it's just it's fun really watching them start to develop into high level players. And then what gets you excited is then to know that you might have the same starting middle infield combination for four years. That doesn't happen often and that's kind of cool because they'll start to make plays that you you just don't even think would be made. And so uh super excited. Coach, this fall you had a chance um, with a guy that both you and I know very well, Keith Calta, uh, to play to play in Williamsport at the Little League World Series, which I think was the first college softball game there um, against Penn State. And you did a clinic, and from what I heard, the event was amazing, and a lot of lot of little girls came out. How how cool and special was that for you and your program? Well, it, it was, and you know, Keith mentioned to me the idea when I first got here, and then we got hit with COVID, and so a lot of that got kind of pushed back. But we kept plugging away, and and through his determination and and uh, love of the game, both for Williamsport, which is where he's from, the University of Maryland, which is where he played football, and then his daughter, having been a Maryland softball player, he, he you just couldn't have asked for a better ambassador to make this happen. So after several meetings and several trips up to Williamsport to meet with little league officials and and how could this take place and because there were a lot of just little details that we had to 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 massage and figure out but uh, they just did an amazing job little league stepped up and and uh, they have their grow grow the game kind of uh, you know or girls with game kind of uh, mantra that they use for their little league softball. And, and we were really able to put a spotlight on that and come in and work with a lot of youth in the area and, and do a clinic. And I, I think we had, I don't know what it is, about 100 kids at the clinic. And then we're able to play a game in front of all those kids and their families, as well as a lot of the community. I think they said we had somewhere between like five, five to 7,000 people there at the game. So what a great atmosphere to be able to play a game. And, uh, and it really wasn't about the game as much as just everybody stepping on that field because that's a bucket list kind of item, you know? And so when you're out there on the field and you see that great big hill where the kids slide down on the cardboard or you see the big jumbotron and you're playing in what feels like a major league baseball stadium, it's just shrunken down to fit more of a little league size. It's just, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I literally am out there with chills and, uh, and I know if I had them, I know my players had them. So that's something we're going to try to keep alive, whether it's every year, whether it's every couple of years, we're going to try to keep going up there and, and keep that going. But it is neat knowing that your lineup card went into the little league world series museum as a piece of history for their yeah. event. And again, I, cool. I, I, I can't wait to walk through that and actually look down and see our lineup card that oh, day. Yeah. So just super exciting and, and so much fun. Um, and again, just so much credit to Keith Calta and his love for Maryland, Maryland softball, Maryland athletics in general, and, and then his hometown of Williamsport. 
Took a little extra time with the handwriting on that lineup card, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I, that made sure I spelled everything correctly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I'm interested. We'll get you out of here quickly here, Coach, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this, and it kind of speaks to the, what you did in Williamsport. Your sport just continues to explode year after year from a TV ratings perspective, a coverage perspective on not only TV, but, you know, all over the internet. I mean, it's just the the interest in softball goes up, and it's one of the, the fastest-growing women's sports <laughs> um, overall. How exciting is that for you, you know, both as someone that's been in the sport for a long time, but also one that wants to get his program to that level where you're, you know, you're playing on ESPN and you're in those, you know, regional and super regional weekends that, you know, I didn't know much about. And then I, I meet Ben, the biggest softball guy of all time. And he's like, there's no better weekends of the year than the regional and super regional softball weekends. And you start to watch and you're like, these are pretty amazing. Um, what is that like for you to watch the growth of your sport? It's got to be pretty cool. It is. And, and having, again, like you said, I mean, I, I, I hate to start to give away my age, but I can trace my coaching career back 30 years. So from when I first started 30 years ago to where it is now, when it, when it was really the same two teams year in and year out of, you know, who was going to win, it was Arizona or UCLA. And, and really there weren't even a lot of teams playing it to where now it's such a national, you know, first of all, it's the sport that basically is the women's version of our national pastime. Right. So, um, it, but it's faster where baseball. And, and again, don't tell Rob, I said this, love him. Uh, but, and I love, <laughs> I love baseball. I really do. I mean, there, there's a relaxing piece to baseball. I mean, I can, I love to go to a game, whether it's the Orioles or, or whoever and, 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 and grab a hot dog and it's just kind of, but, but it's, it's drawn out. Our game is an intense, I mean, it's, it's fire. It's like nonstop action for two hours and, and, um, you know, I, I, I think it, it, it really is, it, I don't know if it is, but I think it's the fastest growing women's sport that there is right now. And certainly from a TV model, we yeah. were made for TV. We fit right into that two hour window, enough commercials to keep the paid for, but yet, you know, and, and so it's really watching it, the growth of it. And, and I'll tell you something else, the, the interviews that now they do, Mm-hmm. sideline interviews with every sport in game interviews that they do with basketball coaches and all this stuff that all started with us. We were the experiment with all of those. They would interview softball coaches after the fourth inning to get in game kind of live because we are trying to grow our sport. And so I think you have a community of softball coaches that really want to keep us growing and keep the sport getting bigger. And you've got the great, activity of the sport itself the television audience is growing and i'm telling you um we're an exciting brand and it's uh, it's fun it's fun to be a part of that it's fun to be on the cusp of that and it's fun watching it at least during my career go from kind of just another sport that's played to now becoming one of the premier women's sports in collegiate athletics that uh, that really showcases our female athletes at the highest possible level yeah, it's definitely it's the highest rated women's college sports sport on TV, and it's it's not Taylor. I tell you this all the time. It's not even that <laughs> close in women's sports. Like it's softball, and then everyone else. And you see ESPN investing in it so much. I mean, there's games on. They have the tournament in Clearwater now that they're that they're running that they're putting games on in February, which never used to happen. And the women's co- college World Series and Super Regionals on Memorial Day weekend are some of my favorite sporting events of the whole year so every year our coverage of how many games are on television whether it's espn big 10 channel any it's almost doubling every year 
I mean, just yeah. think about that for just saying, I mean, yeah. just over the last 10 years, it like doubles every year. And, and so what's happening is we become a great sport to have, and we, we want to keep it. We, you know, I, I think last couple of years, we've only been one time on the big 10 channel. Now we're all of a sudden showing up on three times this year. And, and I think it's because as we get more competitive, as the big 10 gets more competitive in the national landscape of softball uh, at the highest level, I mean, sending teams to the world series, we sent seven teams from the big 10 to uh, uh, the national tournament this year. Uh, we sent one team all the way to the World Series. As that continues to grow and as we get better and better, it's just it, it's going to help continue to, to push the growth of women's softball and making it not only a premier sport, um, you know, for those two or three weeks uh, uh, that Ben's talking about, but but stretching it now to where people are watching games in February and March and April because we're, we're one of the more exciting sporting events that's on during that time. And Ben, somehow the sport grew with you in it, which is really amazing. I mean, yeah. it overcame your presence <laughs> at Maryland. So that's 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 really the biggest thing. That's huge. But it's grown. It's grown even so much more since I've been out of it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, Coach Montgomery, thanks so much for for coming on with us. I, honestly, it's exciting to watch your program grow. grow. And you talked about Rob there. The two bat and ball sports just continue to get better and better every single year um and it's it makes a spring that involves the two you know national champion lacrosse caliber programs even more fun to watch you guys and and tennis and all the different sports so really appreciate you taking some time and, and good luck out in mexico for the rest of the year thanks guys very much we'll look forward to seeing you guys at the field okay yep thanks coach Back here on here the turtle presented by toyota once again thanks to the head coach of maryland softball mark montgomery for giving us you know, about, you know, over 20 minutes of his time there and really an interesting guy to talk to, you know, Kess, even outside of when we get to interview him, um, there's a fun guy to chat about, about softball with college athletics with, and, and he's really done a great job since getting here. Um, and, and he's, he talked about it there in the interview, like they feel like they can just continue to take the next step. And they've really done like the classic program rebuild, like the first year didn't have all the talent they wanted there, but they changed yep. the culture. They played hard. They were competitive. Second and year then COVID you know, happened. They, COVID happened, so you kind of lose it there a little bit. Um, and then last year, he said before the year, he was like, I think we have the talent to pick off some teams. They beat a Michigan. They won a game in the Big Ten tournament. They finished top half of the league. And now I think they feel like week in and week in out, they can compete with definitely the best teams in the Big Ten. And then, you know, he's you know, they open with Oregon. It's like, we think we can go and play with that team. Yeah, um, They've got a lot back. Like we talked about, it. they have a, a ton lot of experience back. And so they should be able to kind of go into the wars each weekend and, and do pretty well this year. And a pretty easy Big Ten schedule, um, where 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 they could, you know, they're going to be the better team in in a lot of these series. They don't play Northwestern, they don't play Michigan, they don't play Minnesota. They play them. They play Minnesota non-con, but they don't play them in in the conference. So I, you know, I think Northwestern's definitely the class of the league. They made the women's college World Series last year. Um, Michigan has a new coach, so we'll see how they are. Minnesota's always good, but. You know, they have a chance in Big Ten play to really, really accumulate a lot of wins where if you, you know, if you beat two or three good teams, you know, top 25-ish, top 30 teams in the non-conference, you're really, you're really talking about uh, NCAA tournament berth and playing, playing late in May. So very excited. And, you know, two of those huge opportunities, even really three, come this weekend in Mexico against Oregon, BYU, and Oklahoma State, an Oklahoma State team who's become one of the five best programs in the sport. Yeah, I th you know, if you can pick off, like you said, almost, you know, you have some weekends where you don't have those opportunities, but if you can pick off like one a weekend, so say you beat one of Oregon, 
BYU or Oklahoma State this yep. week, and you just get enough of those wins. Like you said, what the way the conference schedule lines up, they could just accumulate enough wins where you can't keep them out, right? Like yep. you get to yep. a certain win total, and it's like if you have enough quality, you're going to get into the NCAA tournament, which would be an, a legitimately incredible accomplishment considering incredible. what that program was four years ago. It would be, yeah, it the would pro- be like one of the great Maryland – success stories of the last decade. I know it's under the radar. It's not a, you know, not a softball school, quote unquote, but it would be, it would be pretty amazing what he would have done. there. But I, I will say softball is big enough a sport and it's pretty, it's not as big as lacrosse, but the softball in Maryland is decently good. There's a lot of good players here. If Maryland got to a point where it was in the NCAA tournament every year, um, I think the fan base would come out. The fan base would care. You see what happened last year with, with, baseball when they hosted a regional um not you know we, we're probably not going to be hosting regionals you know to be be a top 16 seed that that's a big that's even a bigger step and hopefully he gets there but if if maryland softball becomes a perennial contender in the big 10 which as you said isn't the best conference it's going to get better when ucla comes because they're one of the top programs in the sport um and northwestern is really good but you know, when you're a, a perennial contender in the Big Ten and you're playing for NCAA tournaments, I think the fan base would get behind Maryland softball. We've even seen when some of the big teams have come in the Big Ten, like when Michigan has come and played, the crowds have been very, very good, yeah. um, you know, on, on nice days in the spring. And as you said, you know, and it, I hate to continue to correlate it to baseball because they're two different programs and, and it just feels like the easy comparison. But in terms of like, you know, you're in the quote unquote Northeast, Mid-Atlantic, whatever, like if you're Maryland, you can be the premier program in in this yep. region, like pretty easily. Like, you know, I guess if you're, you know, Maryland baseball, maybe you consider like your competitors that like UVA, but if you're just going mm-hmm. from Maryland up, like you can be the best softball player in New Jersey and in Pennsylvania yeah. and in New York. Yep. And I know that's, those aren't the hotbeds, but you can, those players, that should be the destination school for them. And I think that's what Maryland baseball is sort of becoming like they're able to go into the Northeast. They're able to go nationally a little bit now based on what they've done last year. But like you go into the Northeast and you're like, look, you can play. You, you don't have to go far away from home. You can play in a very good league. We are going to challenge at a conference. And now Mark Montgomery can say, look, we went to Mexico. We went here. We went here. Yep, it's like we're going, cool places. we're going to Ole Miss. We're going to Minnesota and playing Vanderbilt. We're going here and here and here. And you're going to get the same experience. Um, and be able to get in the NCAA tournament. Now Mark Montgomery just needs to get to the NCAA tournament okay. so he can sell that and be like, look, we can get there. Here's the path. Ne- then you can start, you know, go out and fill in. And as he said, like, he wants to fill a lot of the kids with the local, like, and then when they need to go out to Texas or California or JUCO or whatever to go get a, you know, a talented player, they can go get them. But like you said, you know, there's a, you know, the region is big enough where you should be able to get a lot of those players and he's going to hopefully start to be able to do that. Um Really good stuff from him. And, and as you said, they start with a great tournament this weekend in Mexico where they play those three teams. Um, a tournament, that, as he talks about, is one of the better ones that you know teams wait to get into. So really big opportunity. And um, I think people should go out. Maryland Softball Stadium is a smaller venue, but you're like right on top of the action. You're right so, on. It's, it's, a good, it's a good venue to watch softball. You could walk around. Um, you could kind of – there's a big patio up top where you could watch the games. You could get as close as you want behind the netting. Um, and it's free. So why wouldn't you go? Yeah, parking's easy. It's right next to Xfinity Center. Yep. If you haven't it's been the, over there, it's so. the only it's the only place only place on campus where parking is easy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not not <laughs> not untrue. Not untrue. Um, let's get to Maryland basketball. What a week um, for really both programs in different ways. Um, you know, men's team gets a big win over Indiana, who then followed up and beat Purdue. Um, so a, a huge quality win for Kevin Willard's program and. 
and really a performance where they just once again got after it defensively and, and shut down Indiana. And I think the worry was going to be then you go to Minnesota, trap game, Minnesota is down, you know, they have injuries, you know, different things going on. But you know, every, you know, they, that's a team that beat Ohio State on the road, who's a talented team. Um, and they just waxed Minnesota from, yeah. from bell to bell. Um, just never was close, never was in doubt after the first. You know, I think at the under 16, we were sitting there and I was like, this game's over. Like there's just, you know, they just were locked in from the, from the start, played great defense. Um, we're a little more efficiently offensively hit open, hit some more shots in that game and, and, and played a great offensive game. And now, you know, four straight wins for Kevin Willard's group really built the momentum off the homestand um, and now go to Michigan state and a Michigan state team that looks beatable at, yeah, you know, in East Lansing on Tuesday and could really start to talk about like, you know, they're tied, they're in this big, like you know, six, six way, way tie for six way four, tie five, for third believe, place, third, third, excuse me. So, third. you know, they can now, if they can figure out a way this week to go on the road to beat Michigan state and then welcome a Penn state team to, to a college park, um, you know, to Xfinity center that, you know, the sales numbers we're hearing and stuff looks like it's gonna be a very good crowd next Saturday for the red out in college park. You know, Kevin Willard can start, you know, going from a team that, you know, 10 days ago, even was like, you lose a couple was games on the bubble. On the bubble. You know, it was yep. like a last four by kind of team. Yeah. To like a, you're talking like being a top five seats. Yeah. You're talking about like six fives type of seating, depending on what you do down the stretch yeah. with a lot of opportunities to go. Um, an amazing job. And, and we, we've talked about this, Kesson. You can, you can jump in. Defensively, it is just impossible to play us right now. Impossible. Yeah. Like they are so good. Um, on the perimeter defensively, which has helped them like deal with some of the bigger guys inside because they just can't get the ball inside. They've done a great job switching defenses when they've had to. I, I Julian Reese has really improved as an interior defender. He's you know he did a as good of a job as you can do on a guy like Trace Jackson Davis, who's always going to get his, and then has been great in the other games. They've been great on the perimeter, as I said. It's just they've found an identity um, since they got back home, and I think they actually found it really in the second half against Purdue. I think yeah. that's where they thought, okay, we're just going to have to scrap. We're going to have to play. It's almost a little bit like the COVID team two years ago. Mm-hmm. This team is just has a little bit more, I think, to give than that team does. Um, but in terms of finding a defensive identity and just building off of it, and then Kevin, what Kevin Willard's brought, I think, is their ability to really adjust in game defensively. That COVID team was was kind of doing the same thing. That, all know, the time. They were, yeah, all the they time. Were, uh, they weren't we're switching. Really, yeah. yeah, we're really effective at it. But this team can do a little bit more. I think that's why you see them, you know, it's these last four games, they've been wins, and you would think like, okay, the Maryland's like grinding out wins. They're close. They really haven't been close. They've no. really been in control in the second of half all the, of, all of, of all the games. games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, the Indi- the Indiana win on Tuesday was was very impressive. Um, kind of got off to a, you know, a little slow start, but then from like, you know, fifteen minutes in the first half on, just dominated the game. And I think we say this every time we talk about Maryland basketball on the podcast, set it after Purdue, set it after Wisconsin, Michigan too. I think that Indiana game was the best we've played defensively. We were locked in. It was fun to watch. The guys were playing together. Um, the matchup zone was, was fantastic. And then, yeah, Saturday you go into a, you go into a spot where, you know, you're playing a team that's a little down and our team hasn't played well on the road and just absolutely destroyed them. I think it was, the biggest it was the uh, largest margin of victory ever on for a big 10 road game correct and the biggest for any conference road game in in a long long time so for this team you know to kind of do that and 
you know, Minnesota, I know they are what they are, but they're still a Big Ten, Big Ten basketball team. So to beat them by 35 points um, at their place, a place where, you know, Maryland in the past has had kind of some similar situations against a bad Minnesota team on the road and, and has has not played anywhere close to where they played on Saturday night. So had some weird games at the barn. Weird games at the barn. The 2016 one rings a bell. But um, yeah, and then tomorrow, Tuesday night, go to East Lansing, a Michigan State team that I think we match up pretty well with. They're small. Um, they, you know, defensively, we should match up very well against them. And they're, you know, out of all the teams in the Big Ten, and this is atypical of a Tom Izzo team, and hopefully I don't jinx anything here, but they're, they're not, they haven't played well for, a, for like a month now. Michigan State. They're, yeah. They've lost. They've lost five of seven, and and their only two wins are at home. Um, I don't know if you watch any of that Rutgers game the other day. And Rutgers, I guess, you know, they're probably the only team in the Big Ten that's better defensively than we are, and they completely um, shut down Michigan State in 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 every way. So, um, obviously, a really tough place to play. A well coached team. The Breslin Center is really tough, but a really big opportunity tomorrow because you're right. If you get tomorrow. And you come home against Penn State, a team that has struggled on the road. They're good. They're talented. Pickett's, I think, the second, second or third best player in the conference. Um, and you're nine and five, and then you have a home game against number one Purdue. And then you're talking. That's one of the biggest Maryland home games in the last however many years, um, yep. because you're probably ranked. You know, it's it's a big time. It's a big time game. I think we're we're recording this on Monday morning. I think when the poll comes out today, Maryland's going to be like you know, fourth or fifth in like just out of the poll. So you, you win two games this week and you're in it next week. Um, crazy how the last few weeks have put a whole um, kind of different perspective on the season where you're looking at, you're looking at a top eight seed now. So yeah. And then the women um, will touch on them. They had a loss at Iowa the other night where Caitlin Clark, um, kind of went off and then yesterday came home for a top 10 Ohio State team and Taylor much like the men at Minnesota um, just completely dominated Ohio State yesterday Taylor Mike sells return game and um, beat them beat them by a lot in what was a very good crowd for the women at Xfinity Center yesterday so another top 10 win um, kind of held serve in the Big Ten um, and responded extremely well after a tough loss on Thursday night yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, you know, they, they played pretty well at home. They had the one slip up against Nebraska earlier in the year, but they've been very good in Big Ten games at home. They played great against Michigan. And I think they had a great opportunity at Iowa to truly, really try to like, they're very much in the Big Ten race. I'm not saying that, but, you know, you go win that game and you feel like, okay, we can really like take it from here if we can figure out a way to get back to Indiana. They lose that game, just didn't have it defensively. And clearly whatever Brenda Free said to them <laughs> at practice about their defense, because they just absolutely – shut down Ohio State in every facet yeah. and played great offensively. Diamond Miller is going to probably be like a top five WNBA draft pick. Um, and she's not talked about, I think, in the like upper echelon, you know, in the Caitlin Clark and the Aaliyah Boston and some of the, you know, the the great play, Aaliyah Edwards, some of the great players like around the country right now. She's there. I mean, she is, I don't know if she'll be, I don't know, you know, it well enough to know if she'll be like in that first five of a first team all American, but she's going to be an all American and just took over this game yesterday. And it's just, she's averaging like 25 points a game against ranked opponents. 
Um, she's fantastic, and and all and Cheyenne Sellers has emerged as like the perfect you know kind of Robin to her Batman. Like gets after it defensively, kind of runs the team a little bit. Um, I know Pinzon plays point guard, but you see Sellers do a lot of initiating. She knocks down shots. Abby Myers, we had on the show a few weeks ago, knocked down shots yesterday. Um, just overall a fantastic performance and just beat down that Ohio State team that has been as high as I think three in the country uh, or two in the country. So certainly no slouch. They're kind of sliding the other direction right now. They have, they've had a tough two weeks. Both Ohio State basketball teams right now are very much struggling. Yeah, um, they are. But, um, but yeah, just a gr- great win for them. And as you said, right in the thick of the Big Ten race again. Um, and they're going to get this Iowa team at home. So they're going to have an opportunity to pick them off um once again but that was just a huge win and starts to um starts to figure out you know where they're going to be from a seeding perspective i think you know they were trending on that like the resume of probably like a four seed that gets in Mm -hmm. and hosts now they're starting to you know go up the ladder a little bit and because the big 10 has improved so much in previous years you know early when the turps joined the big 10 they were just running through the league and that was great but unless they won a bunch of good non-conference games they weren't getting rewarded for seeding i remember there was one year they went undefeated in the big 10 i was sitting on a, a baseball trip with john chef and they got seated like as a three they got like a three seed they were like yeah they had like 27 it was like a like three seed in it was like a three seed in yukon's region right? yukon's region yeah. and he was like how did that happen and i was like well they have no opportunities in the league now they have tons of opportunities yeah. in the league and that really helps them so they can start to build their resume, not just early in the year and have to go out and schedule. Um, like for example, UConn has to, because they don't have a lot of opportunities in the big East. Maryland doesn't have to do that as much. And that's really good for Brenda freeze. Now they can go down the stretch um, and, and try to get through. I, I was just very impressed by them, by them yesterday. As you said, a great crowd, over 11,000 in Xfinity center. Um, and I'm sure helped to propel them um, after they were in front of a great crowd at Iowa this week. And you, you've seen sort of the crowds go up women's basketball the big 10 but i'm just pulling up there's yeah they have at northwestern should be a win home for illinois should be a win at michigan state should be a win and that sets up a huge end of the year where they, they where don't you get play indiana. the two teams again yeah you don't get indiana at home which is tough that's they're gonna need some they're gonna need indiana to lose to somebody um and the indiana has the, the head-to-head tiebreaker but for seeding but um they get iowa at home and then they get ohio state on the road to finish so two of the teams that are around and they, they can sweep that Ohio state team and hopefully go one-on-one against Iowa. And I mean, this game, if you're going to look for a game, you know, as you said, men's game against Purdue could be, you know, one of the bigger games on that side, this home game against Iowa women's basketball in a couple weeks. What time is, what time is it during eight o'clock so Tuesday on, night on, at eight o'clock? Yeah. Not a crazy time to get to. It's not at six 30, which don't by have to eight o'clock, the the, our our friends in our marketing department tell me eight o'clock is the best time for a game to get there fans out because it's it's not too late. You're not going to hit the rush hour traffic, um, so that should be that should be a fun one. That's a game you should go to because th- it's going to be entertaining offensively because all Iowa does is play offense. They run and gun. They they don't play a lot of defense. You know, Caitlin Clark is a gunner and and is exciting if you're a, if you're a, you know a neutral or even and then they're very fun to watch. We're very fun to watch offensively, so I think that is that is probably a game you should come out to. But very nice week for both Maryland basketball teams. And then Kess, I'll let you go for thirty seconds here on your women's lacrosse team as they begin on Saturday. Yeah, um, start up Saturday at home at CQ Stadium against uh, St. St. Joe's, and then kind of go on the road for the month of February play two top 
six, seven teams at Syracuse at Florida after this week. Um, and then a good JMU team that should be in the top 10 all year um, right after that. So kind of a tough February where the Terps are going to be challenged on the road, but it starts this week um, against, against St. Joe's, which is coached by three Maryland alums, including Grace Griffin, who's going to make her coaching debut in college park on Saturday. So come out and um, support the number two women's lacrosse team, which, you know, you're going to want to watch this defense. We've kind of, kind of hit on it, but this defense, I was watching them yesterday in a scrimmage, Taylor, this defense is going to be going to be incredible. Um, they do call you the wizard of the defense. Yes. yes. Yeah. Me and Kenneth. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, they, I mean, so talented. They play together. Emily Sterling looks just as fantastic as she did last year. Um, so should be, should be fun and starts this Saturday. I cannot, I cannot be more excited. And then our men's team um, talk about defense. They oh shut down a good Richmond team the other day and looked kind of probably better than you thought they would defensively. And everyone thought they were going to be one of the best defenses in the country. Yeah. I mean, the, the, Richmond was a team that went to the NCAA tournament last year and was never really in the game. Um, they're just, and we, we, we talked about it a little bit with, um, with Mark Dixon a few weeks ago, you know, the early John Tillman teams, this, this team last year was so fantastic offensively and, and so fun to watch. Like, this team this year, you know, may revert back a little bit to, you know, what Tills is not that they didn't have a great defense last year. They did. I mean, look, and then they had a great guy in Logan McNeil between, yeah. between the goal, you know, between the pipes there. Um, but, you know, with Brett Maycar leading the way, wearing number one, they're, they're going to be so hard to break down defensively. Um, and they show, I mean, they scored 15 goals. So it's not as if, it's, you know, yeah, they, they'll they be won, just fine. They won eight to four. They, you know, they scored a ton of goals. They have a ton of talent. They're just, and they have Luke Weirman. So they're always going to dominate possession. They're going to be a tough out, you know, obviously. And so are the women. It's going to be a very, very fun lacrosse year. And I love the Saturdays where they both play. The men play at Loyola, quality program. But, um, you know, you would think John Tillman squad's favored to win that one. Um, but that, that'll be a dogfight. Every time you play those local opponents, I think there's a little extra there. Um, and that should be a fun game. But if you're like a Baltimore area fan, go out to that, that stadium mm-hmm. at Loyola. It's a nice, nice place to watch. It's very nice. Um, and then the women, obviously at home at CQ stadium, both teams playing at CQ stadium this year. So make sure to go see them. Um, very exciting times. And then baseball, um, heads down to Florida the week after and all of our spring sports at that point will be underway. Both golfs got underway this weekend. Tennis is five and one. So all that will be back into the, you know, the whirlwind of all the sports, um, but yeah, as you said, the women go away for a month, but then come back with some good games. The men have some great non-conference home games as well. Yep. So should be a fun month if you're trying to come out and see lacrosse. And then obviously basketball continues, um, to do their thing. I want to give a special shout out to guess our guys in the senior bowl this week, Chad yep. Ryland, Jacorian Bennett and Jalen Duncan, fantastic work from all of those guys. I think all of them saw their stocks increase, mm-hmm. um, which is exactly what you want. Um, and then we'll head towards the NFL Combine. <laughs> one of the great, one of the great traditions of the year: Maryland players doing great in the pre-draft process. Yes, yes. it really Maryland is amazing. Players, Maryland players love the pre-draft love, uh, love process. The pre-draft process. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun few months for our guys in the draft. This is probably as exciting as it's it's ever been for for Maryland football players getting drafted. There's you know six, seven, eight guys that that could all go um, in this year's draft. So, props to those three guys. I think Ryland made four field goals in the game. JB had the game ceiling interception um, and, and impressed with his speed all week. I think he was measured as like the second, second fastest, fastest guy, second yeah. fastest guy at the senior ball. And, um, and 
Jalen had a, people saying a lot of good things about him. And obviously in mocks, in almost every mock you see, he's going in the first two rounds. Um, so you don't say that about Maryland offensive linemen a lot. So Jalen Duncan, definitely, definitely impressing and, and, and we'll have, you know, a good opportunity in the NFL. Yeah. I think there was some, a little disappointment on his year to a certain extent. Not, I mean, he was very, I mean, he was good. Um, but you know, he was mocked in the first round before the year. Um, and then he, I think showed like the incredible athleticism he has for a guy that big, how he can move his feet and all, you know, there were people like Sal. I love when there's just the draft next, just salivating on Twitter about like, 330 pound guys footwork oh, offensive always, linemen yeah, yeah how they move their like, feet <laughs> yeah look, look at them look at them like <laughs> it's so great yeah. the best things of all time um so excited for those guys wanted to make sure we gave them a shout out and cool for jacory bennett mobile native in mobile yep. gets the interception yep. plays great all week and he's a great kid we, we great he's kid. one of our favorites so one of the best um, can't wait to watch hopefully he did not get a did he get a combine invite was he in our combine yeah yeah, yeah. I think he's going to run. I think we're going to have some guys run really well, and I think he's mm-hmm. going to be at the top of the list. He's going to run. And his in our, he runs it, well, His it, he's going to continue to go up, up, up. Because I think his coverage is going to look good on tape because we we thought he played great all year. We're biased because we like him. But. In our um, Here the Turtle, who's the fastest guy on the team question, JB always came up with guys. Yep, so obviously he said he's the fastest, but he was a popular name that that others named as well. So to be the second fastest guy at the entire senior bowl is 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 impressive and it's going to open a lot of eyes because you're right. You see what he could do in coverage. Um, most most pass breakups in college football over the last two years. And so and yeah, I love that speed. he's got a pick in the bowl game and a pick yeah. in the senior bowl. Yeah. His last two yeah. times you've seen which him, was always the a, thing, which was which always, was always the, the thing with him that he couldn't catch. Couldn't catch. He couldn't catch. He's he's sealed the game in in his the last two games he's played, and that's when you want the inter- and the one in the bowl game was the the one in the senior bowl was kind of right yeah, to him. It was, it was just terrible a throw. throw. <laughs> if he didn't catch if he didn't catch that one, I don't know what we were gonna do. But the one the one in the bowl game was was as tough as it's gonna get. So um, he continues to to rise his stock. And the other thing. I mean, he'll just impress tremendously in the. You know, I'm a big interview process guy. You Taylor. are. You are. I, I, Love I think I, you've always said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've actually gotten some contacts from the NFL reaching me to come out to Indianapolis to to do some interviews myself. I've heard your, but, your the negotiations yeah. have been pretty intense on that. Yeah, yeah. I have three or four teams after me, um, but he's a guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a guy that will uh, that will really impress in the interview room because he's such a likable kid and will talk really well and he's humble um so he's a guy that probably before the senior ball was you know undrafted to fifth to sixth to seventh round and i think he's gonna go up and end I up think in you'd love to see him in jets sec- green and i'd love to see him in ravens purple i would love to see him in jets green playing next to sauce gardner and dj reed uh ooh. <laughs> play next to marlon humphrey yeah yeah kyle hamilton um, yeah Chuck part Clark, of me hopes maybe. part of Part of me hopes for Jacory and he's not in Jet Green, but for myself, um, <laughs> for myself, I would love that. So, um, yeah, great stuff. Jets need guys. some offensive linemen though, so Jalen Duncan could. Jalen Duncan. Jets they, need yeah, some. Yeah. Jets need. Jets need, need. That's the one thing we need. We need offensive linemen and a quarterback. And I'm, yeah, <laughs> not getting a Maryland quarterback this year. Gotta We're not. Next maybe year next year. Not this year. Yeah. yeah. Not this year. <laughs> not this year. Um, We're getting a Cal. We're getting a Cal. A quarterback from Cal this year. That's what we're getting. Wow. 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 There you, and there <laughs> yeah. you have it. We'll and it's not that. Derek Carr. <laughs> Derek Carr didn't go to Cal. Oh, where'd he go? Fresno State, right? 
Oh, I thought he went to Cal. Didn't both Car Brothers go to Fresno State? Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Close enough. Right by Cal. <laughs> Cal. <laughs> Unless you want Kyle Bowler. No, I want Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Um, <laughs> Jeff, the, the Jeff Tedford era. Um, and, then one, and then finally, Cass, ha- happy birthday. You celebrated you. your birthday. Thank you. Thank you for celebrating with me this weekend. Yep. I think we yep. had a good time. Yep. We absolutely did. And so everyone tweeted Cass, happy birthday. And if yep. you've gotten this deep in the show, we'll really see who the true fans are. Yes. Um, back next week with Rob Vaughn, uh, head coach of Maryland baseball. Should be a great chat. Rob, one of the great guys to talk to, uh, breaks it all down. So we'll have him um, as we lead into their first weekend. Um, and then we will have uh, gymnastics, I believe, after that. Going to have um, somebody from Brett Nelligan's program on to talk about their progress. They, they have had best – they've had a, improved their score every week. So gymnastics is like wrestling where – the team results matter and they don't because, you know, you can have a bunch of wins and still lose and you can have a great score in gymnastics, still lose. And they had a great score, lost to Ohio State this weekend. Um, follow Kess at BMK95. Wish him a happy birthday. You can follow me at Taylor Spike 10 Follow the podcast at Hear the Turtle on all of your social media platforms. And we will see you next time on Hear the Turtle presented by Toy Hotel.